0: Right. Good afternoon. Good to see you guys. Uh, We're going to be continuing uh, with our series that we started. Actually, we kind of kicked it off on Easter with this idea of a resurrection life. And uh, last week we continued and we mentioned that uh, our series is based on this verse in John chapter 11, verse 25. This is Jesus speaking to uh, Martha after her brother Lazarus has died. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Okay, so he's talking about literal physical resurrection, but I think we can also conclude that he's talking about more than that. You know, look at what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, that even if someone dies physically, there still will be living. Okay, I don't think he's just speaking about Lazarus, who's going to be resurrected, but he's talking about having a resurrected life And when we look at what Jesus says about the resurrected life, what does he say about it? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That if you live the resurrected life, you're going to live my life. You're going to live the life that I lived. So when we're going through the series, I want us to keep constantly focusing on that. That the life that we're talking about, the resurrected life that we want for us, for ourselves in this Christian life, is Jesus' life. That's the life that we want to try to pursue, and that's the life that we want to kind of move towards. So when we look at John 11:25, 25, it kind of sets, us, sets a tone for us. So if you remember from last week, uh, we talked about the beginning of resurrection life was what? The beginning of resurrection life was recognizing our death, okay? Only dead things get resurrected, right? That's the definition of resurrection, that death precedes resurrection, death precedes resurrected life so we talked about the idea that we went through a death right we looked at this passage in romans 6 6 that said knowing this that our old self was actually crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin we looked at this passage and we talked about the idea that we were actually literally connected together we were in christ when he died when he, when he experienced death on our behalf we also experienced death is along together with him and what died with together with him our old self okay if you remember from last week what was our old self what actually died what part of us died when we got connected and we were crucified together with christ it was our sin nature so last week, and we're not going to go into this all again, if you missed it, make sure you kind of look back at the video from last week, but we talked about the difference between sins and sin. Okay, you guys remember the difference? Sins was our actions, the committing of different sins that, um, that God doesn't want for us in our life. Sin, singular, is actually talking about our nature. Okay, talking about our sin nature. Those are two different things. Sin's plural is the actions, those things that we do that the Bible says we shouldn't or God didn't prescribe for us. Sin singular talks about our nature. And if you look at verse 6, Romans 6, 6, you realize that Romans 6, 6 can't happen if he only addresses sins. If Jesus only died for our sins, we could not experience Romans 6, 6, because look what it says. It says, you have been crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. If he only dealt with our actions and only dealt with the things that we did, we could never be free from sin. Because whatever analogy we you liked from last time, whether you're thinking about a tree or an alcohol factory that continues to produce sin or alcohol, if you don't take care of the factory or take care of the tree, it's going to keep producing that kind of fruit. So even if you dealt with all the bad fruit or you've dealt with the alcohol, you've dealt with the sin, even if you've dealt with all those things, if you don't deal with your true nature, you're never going to be free. Romans 6.6 says that God has dealt with both. Jesus has died for our sins and has given us forgiveness and paid the penalty for those things, but he also addressed the sin singular nature within us. Our old self, who was opposed to God, separated from God, that was bent towards sin, being away from God, that God dealt with that person. That person was crucified with Christ. Okay, so I mention that again because it's very important. We cannot live the resurrected life if we don't really believe our old life is gone. You can't live the resurrected life if you're still living your old life. Okay, we see this in in Galatians, uh, I'm sorry, in Romans 8, 15 through 16. Let's look at that passage first. So here Paul says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, so he does a comparison here, right? He says, You're not this. This is not what you have received. You are this. This is what you have received. What are we not? We have not received the spirit of slavery. We have not received the spirit of fear, right? This is what we saw in Romans 6, 6, right? That you're free from that. You're no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer slaves. So he says, you're not that anymore. What are you then? Well, If you're not this, if you're not, your old self is gone, then who are we now? What are we now? Then he says, you are children of God. That's your new identity. That's what the old identity got replaced with and got resurrected. We got resurrected into a new life as children of God. And so this is probably not, if you've been in church, it's not a new concept that we're children of God, that we're brothers and sisters, that uh, this whole analogy. But really, in practical speaking, how do we live this out, right? And how do we face things when... Uh, we see the old life coming. So look at this passage that I referred to in Galatians chapter 5. It's a very interesting passage, okay, especially the first part. Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Like, think about that. Think about that statement that Paul made. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Like, duh. Like, why else would he set us free? Why Why does he need to say this? Why does he say it's for freedom that Christ set us free? Of course That's why he set us free. Why would he try to set us free if it was not for freedom? Why does Paul say it's for freedom that Christ set us free? Well, let's look at the rest of the passage. It says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. What he is saying is this. I freed you. You're no longer slaves anymore. But you're going to feel and you're going to experience some of your old life. You're going to feel tempted to go back to your old life. That's what was happening in this passage. He says in verse 2, Behold, Paul, I say to you that if you receive circumcision you, Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you go back to the law, if you go back to your old life of trying to do it on your own, trying to obey the law and be circumcised and doing all of those things in the law, Christ has no benefit for you. You're not going to receive the benefit of Christ dying for you and the whole gospel message. You're not going to receive any of that benefit if you go back to living your old life. If you go back to living on your own, if you go back to living the way that you were, if you go back to your striving and to trying to do all the right things on your own, if you're trying to go back to the law and doing it by yourself, he says, you have no benefit. That's why he says, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. Not to go back to slavery, not to go back to your old life, not to go back to the way you were when you're alone, you're apart from God, you're independent of God, you have no relationship with God. Don't live that life anymore. He freed you from that live your new life it's for freedom that christ set you free he didn't free you so you can go back and live your old life okay so the question for me is how do we know when that's happening okay so paul gives an example here okay so we're not jews so this is probably not relevant for us we're not going to go back to the jewish law and try to fulfill the jewish law that's not what our old life looks like okay but I kind of use an analogy that we looked in the Romans chapter 8, okay? So our true nature, our new identity is children of God. So the contrast of that is like an orphan, okay? So let's look at that comparison. Okay, so we're going to compare the orphan spirit versus the spirit of adoption that we saw in Romans 8.15, okay? So if we look at what an orphan characteristic is, what are the characteristics of an orphan? And when we go through this list, I want you to examine your own life and say, is that me do i experience that is that my thinking is that my perspective is that my experience okay so let's start with the first one. First characteristic of an orphan is the need to control okay i think the orphan when they're by themselves if you have the orphan spirit that you have a need to control i think this is a really big one this is the one i struggle with a lot this is the yoke of slavery i don't feel free when i need to control the more you feel like you need to control your life, you're going back to the yoke of slavery. You're not free. This is not why Christ set you free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. What does freedom look like? It's not trying to control, not feeling so uh, alone that you feel like you need to control every situation, every relationship, every circumstance. This is a huge one for me. He speaks about to me and You know, whether it's my marriage or my kids or ministry or whatever it is, do I feel like the need to control? Do I feel like I'm alone? So if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? If I don't step in and do it, nothing's going to happen. I need to step in and do it. That's a sign of an orphan that doesn't have a heavenly father who is for them or with them. The need to control is one of the signs of the orphan spirit. That's like another one. Unable to receive. Okay? The orphan spirit, the one that feels alone and feel isolated, that they feel like they have a difficulty being able to receive. And I think that I've seen this in my own life. The way it works out is that I always settle for less. I don't think that much of myself, so I settle for less. And it's difficult for me to receive from others. It's difficult for me to receive from the Lord. Okay? So I remember... uh, An example of this. I remember listening to a missionary. Uh, She's uh, in Mozambique, and her and her husband started this uh, orphanage. And so they started with a group of orphans, and eventually uh, God kept growing and growing and growing their influence, and eventually they had like thousands of orphans um, there in their orphanage. And she describes that she started to have this routine where she would do on, it was either a weekly or monthly basis, I couldn't remember, but Every week or every month, she would invite a group of them, like a small group, maybe like five or six or so, she would invite them into their house, okay, to come stay with them. So every week they would come, and uh, actually maybe it was bigger than this because, um, well anyway, so she would invite this group of of orphans to come in, and so they, they would come in. And what she would tell them is, now that you're here, you are free to do whatever you want. Okay, so you can go into the refrigerator, you can go into the kitchen, you can open the refrigerator and take whatever you want. You can go and, and, and get this food, you can go do this, you can, you can do whatever you want in this house, you have complete freedom. And it's very interesting what she shared. She shared about this different experience about the difference between, this is why I think there was more than just a few because uh, she said there's a difference between people who the kids were coming for the first time that have never been there before and the people who have come several times or many times and the difference was the ones that are coming for the first time wouldn't do anything they wouldn't go into the fridge they wouldn't take out the soda they wouldn't go in and get the food but the ones that have been there a long time the ones that are really have recognized that no i'm not an orphan anymore i am a child you know they've taken me on as their spiritual mother and father that i'm a child they would go, and they would open up the fridge, and they would take out the Coke, and they were passing it around to people. They were completely free. And she would look at that, and she would see those people that were really free, and she loved it. She had so much joy. She also didn't feel like an orphan. Oh, my gosh, they're eating all of our food. They're drinking all of our soda. and She felt so joyful that they felt so free they could receive. The ones that were first time, they didn't feel that way. They still felt like they were an orphan. When we look at the orphan spirit, uh, we look at different characteristics, like the need to control, unable to receive. Um, I think another one is they feel unloved. I think that's a huge one for the orphan is that they feel unloved. They also feel insecure. And this makes sense because what God intended to have our security in him. So before we have a relationship with him, we're going to feel insecure because we don't have the source of security that God intended for us. We also see with the orphan, they compare themselves to others. Okay, that also goes with their insecurity, that they feel like they need to compare themselves to other people. The orphan always feels like they're in competition with others. That's kind of their mentality. They're they're always in competition. It's like a zero-sum game. Like, if I get some... Are you get some, that means that I don't get some, right? That, that, that's the orphan kind of mindset, that there's always a competition, that there's always a lack, there's always less. That's kind of another characteristic of the orphan spirit. And lastly, they're unable to forgive. The ones with the orphan spirit have a real difficulty being able to forgive others that have hurt them. Okay, let's contrast this to the characteristics of the child of God. So instead of a need to control... The child of God is patient for God to lead, okay? So the contrast for like trying to keep driving things and controlling things and manipulating things is being patient, waiting, allowing God to lead. Instead of you trying to go and you being impatient, you're fearful because nothing's going to happen. You're fearful because you're looking at the outside. You're fearful because you feel like nothing's going to happen, so you have to step in. You're acting like an orphan, like God doesn't exist. You don't have a heavenly father who loves you, who is over your life. The child of God feels secure that they can wait. They're not panicked. They're not feeling like they have to go and control everything. They're patient for God to lead. The child of God is, instead of unable to receive, they're unhindered receiving from God and others. They can freely receive from God, especially grace. They can especially receive grace. Grace from God and from others. Instead of feeling unloved, they're beloved. Instead of feeling insecure, they feel secure in who they are. Instead of comparing themselves to others to have some kind of competition to make themselves feel better, uh, they give grace and forgive others. And lastly, they build others up. Okay, instead of being in competition, they build others up. Okay, so let's take a look at that. So take a look at the, the column on the left, the characteristics of the orphan, and then at the characteristics on the right, the child of God. And then do some self-evaluation, okay? It's interesting. I was talking to someone even before service about feeling like, I think that's a lot what's happening for this pandemic time is God wants us to evaluate what's going on, right? So let's take a look, right? Do I experience the things on the left? Does that describe how I experience life? Does that explain? Ex- Explain or describe how I perceive things how I look at things. Is that my mindset? Is that what I carry? Is that what describes me all the characteristics on the left all the characteristics of an orphan? Or is it the description of a child of God? And then when we look at Galatians 1 5 1 it says it's for the right side It's for freedom that Christ set you free Not the left side. This is what he's freed us from not freed us to he's freed us from this so that we can experience the characteristics on the right being a child of God okay now if you're like me it's hard doing that it's hard kind of recognizing that admitting that seeing that acknowledging that owning that that's hard okay but as we've been talking about that we have to develop, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm not going to apologize because it's very hard not to do this. Don't focus in on the negative, okay? You want to recognize the negative, acknowledge it, don't bury your hand in, don't bury your head in the sand, don't say, I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to see it, I'm not going to, acknowledge it, don't be afraid of it, see it, acknowledge it, see it for what it is, recognize that it's there, but then do what? Exchange it, exchange it. Don't try to battle it. Don't try to say, I need to give up control. I need to try to receive. I need to feel loved. I need... Don't try to battle the left side. Replace it with the right side. It's a new tree. It's a new factory. You operate with a new one. Don't try to fix the old one. It's already dead and gone. Why would you try to work on it? Why would you try to work on something that's already dead, that's already gone, that Christ took away? Why would you want to work on that? Why would you try to improve that? Why would you try to get better with those things? It's gone. We need to release it. We need to recognize when it's happening. That's important. But we need to replace it. Okay, so the reason that I show it to you is because we need to recognize it. We need to see when we're falling back to like the Jews in Galatians 5.2 that went back to the law, that went back to their old ways, they went back to who they were before Christ, before they had a relationship with God. We need to recognize when that's happening. When you see these orphan characteristics in your life, it's happening. Okay, the next question is, when that happens, what do you do? What do you do? Okay, there's a couple different paths. You can go into condemnation. You can condemn yourself. You could say, I'm not supposed to be an orphan. I'm a child of God. You can feel condemned. You can feel accused. You can accuse yourself. Other people can accuse you when they see those things happening. They see all that stuff. You're not supposed to be like that. You're a Christian. You're not supposed to live like that. You can be accused by the world. You can be accused by other people. You can accuse yourself. The enemy will accuse you. If you want to go that route, There's no shortage of of input from you to have that, to fuel the fire. There's no shortage of that. If you want to go that route, you'll have no problem going that route. It's not the route that God intended. Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those. So if that's not the route for us, what do we do instead? Okay, so there's two things that I want to share with you today. First... Don't be surprised when the orphan spirit, these characteristics, show up in your life. Don't be surprised. If you've been living this way for a really, really long time, even as a Christian, we can still live that way. It's not, it's not our true identity. It's not who we're supposed to be. You can still live that way. I still live that way. I still have all this, a lot of the characteristics on the, on the left side. But we shouldn't be surprised. It's not saying that we should accept it. It's not saying that we want to accommodate it. It's not saying that we want to pursue it. But don't be surprised. Okay, that's a big thing. Don't make it doubt your true identity. Okay, let me give you an example. Okay, so let's say there is this guy who smoked from a very young age. Okay, so they're like a teenager. They're like 12 or 13, and they've smoked for a really long time, 30, 35 years they've smoked. They've smoked pretty much for their entire life. Okay? Uh, Through their doctor's encouragement, through their loved one's encouragement, saying, like, you need to stop. It's killing you. So eventually, uh, they went to a group or used the patch or whatever they did to kind of break it, but eventually, they broke free. They broke free from that thing that had a hold on them for their entire life. Okay? They became a non-smoker. They became a non-smoker. But... Because they smoked for 35 years, they still feel the effects of that, right? So, like, let's say they're walking up the stairs. They're walking up the stairs, and they're having trouble breathing and they, because their lungs are damaged. And they're having, walking up these stairs saying, like, oh, my gosh, it's so hard for me to breathe right now. Or other times, even though they've the ha- broken the habit, they feel, they feel the effects of having the nicotine withdrawal. They feel all those effects of not having all that nicotine in their body all the time. So let me ask you. If they have the feelings of nicotine uh, withdrawal or if they have trouble breathing when they're walking up those chairs, should they think, I'm not a non-smoker? Should they think, oh, no, I'm, I'm still a smoker. Even though I'm not smoking anymore, I'm still a smoker. Is that the right conclusion they should have? No. They say, I'm a non-smoker, but I've been affected by all of these years of living as a smoker. That's a really good example to what happens to us as a Christian. We become a Christian, we have a new identity, we're not a smoker anymore, we're a non-smoker. But because we live like a smoker for 35 years, or for however long you lived your life, and you live like that, you're going to be affected. Now, when you are affected, when you see those characteristics happen in your life, does it make you doubt and say, oh, I'm not a non-smoker, I'm a smoker. I'm not a saint, I'm a sinner. Do you see what happens with that? Do you see what happens when you're not secure in who you are and you don't believe that you're actually a new creature? You're a new creation, that I'm a child of God and I'm not an orphan any longer? We have to be able to see what's happening in our life because if you don't put it in the right category, the enemy, or yourself or other people, will. We have to be able to recognize we had an old life. It was crucified with Christ. We shouldn't be surprised that even though it's crucified with Christ, we still see those characteristics coming out. Let me give you another example. This one's very helpful. This was in John chapter 3. Okay, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Okay, so Jesus answered and said to him, said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus responds and says, How can a man be born when he is old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Okay, so Nicodemus is hearing what Jesus says about being born again. And if you're not born again, then you can't enter into kingdom And he's taking it literally, right? He's saying literally, how can I be born again? I'm old. I'm an old man. What do you mean? I can't be born again. I can't go back into my mother's womb and then start all over again and be born again. He's taking it as literal, Okay, but look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh produces flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what is he saying? That there is a natural birth, there's a flesh birth, there's a physical birth, but there's also a spiritual birth. Right? So when Jesus says you're born again, it's not just an illustration that he's giving to the Nicodemus to try to explain something to him. It's literal. Okay? It's not physical that we're born again, but spiritually, we're born again. We have a new identity. We're born again. And I like this analogy when you think about it. It's actually a literal thing that happens to us because when you think about someone being born again, it's very helpful. Okay. There's some of you that have a new babies. You realize that when you have a baby, they don't know what to do yet. Do You ever come to that realization? When a baby's born, they don't know how to walk yet. They don't know how to talk yet. They can't dress themselves. They can't, they can't brush their teeth. And I remember when my kids started learning how to do that, what a relief it was, right? Because I had to do everything for them. I had to give them a bath, I had to change their clothes, I had to brush their teeth, I had to comb their hair, I had to tie their shoe, I had to buckle their seatbelt. I have to do everything because when they're born, they don't know what to do yet. Does that mean that they're not human because they don't know what to do yet? What I say to my, my little toddler who's crawling on the ground, how come you can't walk yet? You're supposed to be walking. Why aren't you walking? And then when they try to walk and they stumble and fall, you're never going to get it. You're, you're hopeless. Every time you start starting to want to walk, you keep falling down. Just give up. You're never going to get it. Would I say that? Would anybody say that? No, that would be silly. That would be ridiculous. But yet that's exactly the mentality that we have when we come to Christ. Suddenly we're supposed to know it all already. Suddenly we're supposed to know what the children of God is like. Suddenly we are supposed to have full knowledge and experience our children being children of God and our new identity perfectly when we become a Christian. That's not the case. That's not the case. We have to be able to see and understand what's happening in our life so we can see it correctly. And instead of being condemned, we need to realize, I just need to learn. This is what Romans 12 says when it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's how the transformation happens. You need to just change your thinking. Your thinking is aligned with your old identity. Your thinking is aligned with an orphan. You need to change your thinking. You need to think in line as a child of God. So the way to handle these things when you see the orphan spirit coming on your life, to recognize it, yes. But then replace it. Ask the Lord to keep teaching you. And we're going to spend the rest of the series talking about it more and more, but what is my new identity? You need to learn your new identity. I don't, I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave to fear anymore. I'm not an orphan any longer. I know what I'm not, but if you don't know who you are, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go back to your old way. Does that make sense? You know, even as a parent, like, you know, I love my parents and they did the best job that they could, but I I grew up in what I feel like was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of things that I, I felt like were not good. Right? So when I became a parent, I decided, I'm not going to do that. Okay? I'm going to parent differently. Right? And I think a lot of people kind of have this perspective. I'm not going to be like my dad, or I'm not going to be like my mom. And the Lord told me to be careful of that. Like, don't dishonor. Don't just don't do that. So I try not to go to that place. But I wanted to do something different. Right? I don't know how to do that. All my experiences was what, how I was raised. I don't have any other idea how to be a parent. I don't know how to parent them this new way. So then I go about, you know, parenting my kids, and guess what I see? I see things coming out of my mouth. Oh, my God, I'm my dad. That's exactly what he said to me. I'm doing the exact same thing. Why? Because I want to? Because that's who I want to be as a parent? Or because I don't understand the new way yet? If you don't understand the new way, what are you going to do? You're going to have to default to the old way. Even if you know it's wrong, even if you know it's gone, even if you don't feel like it's right, you don't have another option. You still need to live. You still need to make decisions. You still got to go about your life. If you don't know your new identity, you're going to default to the old one. That's just common sense, right? So we have to be able to put our mindset and see the old stuff for the way it is don't make it doubt your new identity you're not a smoker again you're not a sinner again even if you sin even if you smoke if you're not you don't go back that old life is gone you have a new resurrected life in christ you are free It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Let's learn how to be free. Let's learn what that means. Let's learn what our new identity is. Let's learn how to think like a child of God. Let's learn how to think like a child of the king. Let's learn how to think like fellow heirs of Christ. Let's learn how to think of being holy and righteous. We have to learn how to think this new way. If we don't, we'll never experience the resurrected life. We'll never be free. But... God did the hard work already. You don't have to become new. You don't have to try to work hard to become new. You don't try to have to earn to become new. You don't have to learn. You're already that. We just have to grow into our new skin. We have to learn what that means. We have to gain a greater understanding. Who am I? And it's not the person that you think you were. It's not the person that you've been experiencing. It's someone completely new. And during this series... We're going to go over that and we're going to continue to look at who am I in Christ? And we need to start believing it and seeing it. Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for really this gift that you've given us of the gospel, the gospel message that Jesus died for us. Thank you that we see more of what that really means, that when he died for us, we were included in his death. That we don't have to live that old life anymore we're freed from that thank you for the gift and the power of that that you freed us from that old life from our old nature from the orphan spirit you freed us from that now lord give us the grace to give ourselves grace to be able to see that and then teach us holy spirit teach us and renew our minds so that we can be transformed and live the resurrected life thank you lord that we find it all in jesus that you are our new life that we can experience more and more of who we are in you thank you lord in jesus name amen